Hello, and welcome to Awesome Leaders, Lessons for Food Business Success, a podcast aimed at supporting the development and growth of women-owned food and beverage processing businesses in the Canadian prairies. Our guests include industry experts, as well as food and beverage entrepreneurs to provide knowledge, real-world examples, and inspiration. My name is Carly, and on behalf of the Awesome Program, I'll be your host today. Welcome to the final episode from the 2022 Awesome Conference. We are excited to share the presentation from our keynote speaker, Amy Caban, founder and CEO of Parkerview Brews Kombucha. Amy founded her company in 2017 and has grown Parkerview Brews to where it is now available in over 200 retail locations across Saskatchewan. Amy, along with her husband, Tyler, and their team continue to build Parkerview Brews and are currently undergoing an expansion that will double the size of their facility and increase production to meet the demands of the market. Amy is a founder who has built her business from the ground up, and when it comes to entrepreneurship and business development, Amy is a wealth of knowledge. Listen in to hear Amy's valuable presentation, where she shares her business journey and the important things that she's learned along the way. Be sure to check out the episode description for more information on Parkerview Brews. First of all, thank you everyone for coming out today. You know, we've had really bad weather these past couple days. So it's wonderful to see everyone uh, leaving their homes and, and coming here to connect with each other. Uh, I'd like to thank Carly and Bryn for organizing uh, this event for us to gather. So if we could just give a quick round of applause to them. It's really been a great day of, of presentations, of panel discussions. I was able to catch uh, the ones this afternoon and just connecting with each other, right? Uh, just listening to Angela and Crystal, I learned just listening to them in, in you know, that hour, these little tidbits that I could take home with me. Um, and after nearly two years of us kind of social distancing, social distancing, physical distancing, it's really nice to get together and uh, not have masks on and see each other's smiles. I just wanna congratulate uh, the people who pitched today that was really nerve-wracking for me to watch. And when we did it back in 2020, we did it from our living rooms and you know, maybe we were wrapped in a blanket or something, but here you were standing in front of a group of, of strangers who were supporting you and you did such a wonderful job. So, and congratulations on the winners, uh, goodness, goodness bombs. I can't wait to try, try your product, it's amazing. Um, today I want to share a little bit about myself, uh, my company, my journey so far, some of the lessons that I've learned along the way. Um, my hope today is by sharing my story, you'll learn something, see similarities in challenges you, you currently face, and maybe gain some insights on how you can overcome them, but also to become more motivated in yourself and confident in your personal abilities and skills. Okay. Okay. So, I'll just start by sharing a little bit about myself. Um, I just want to say to you, I'm not a public speaker, so I'm just going to talk very candidly as if this is like a group of my best friends. And um, so just know that, okay? Uh, so I was born and raised in Regina, along with two siblings. I am a, a middle child and a Virgo, so I'm a people pleaser. I, I value fairness, but I'm also a, a perfectionist. Uh, things have to be systematic and a very particular way. So that's me. Um, I moved to Saskatoon after high school 
to study at the University of Saskatchewan. And since then, this city has become my home. I have a Bachelor of Commerce degree with a marketing major. And following uh, my undergrad, I completed my master's in international trade from the Johnson Shoyama School of Public Policy. So my dream at the time was to become a trade commissioner. Um, that was something that was really exciting to me, and it still is, and, and maybe someday in my future, um, that'll be something I'll do. After finishing my studies, I spent a lot of years working as a student recruiter. Uh, and if you're not really sure what that is, it's an amazing job. Uh, you get to travel around the world and talk to high school students about going to university, specifically for the University of Saskatchewan. And I was traveling primarily in Southeast Asia at the time. Um, I had the opportunity to work in Vietnam, which, were, which is where my parents are from. And it was during this time, um, seven years I was traveling as a recruiter, that I discovered kombucha. So this all leads to kombucha. And it was in Singapore of all places. So if you've ever been to Singapore, it's, it's almost like the future. Um, they have all the wonderful trends. And this is where I discovered kombucha. And I think when you're traveling abroad or you're in a, a place that's foreign to you, you tend to have um, a more openness to try new things, to taste new things, uh, to do new things. And at this time in my life, this was, this was kombucha. I'd never heard of it before. It was hard to say at the time. Um, but I tried it and I loved it. So then fast forward to 2017. Here I was launching Parkerview Brews Kombucha at the uh, Saskatoon Farmers Market at River Landing. And I think a lot of you can maybe relate to this scenario where you're setting up one of those outdoor tents and maybe it's the wind is blowing, there's snow falling. Uh, you're probably cursing at whoever's setting it up with you. That was me uh, and my husband. It's, you know, 7 a.m. And at the time we had um, our one-year-old daughter with us. She was almost one. She was still in the stroller. She was somewhere amongst the, the tent and the coolers of kombucha. Um, but that's how we started out. And I think a lot of you might have started out that way too. And especially for a product-based uh, business. When you have a concept and you think it's awesome, you want others to try it, the market is a great place to do that. It's a great way to test your theory. And I think most importantly, to meet your potential customers and learn about who they are, what they like, uh, what they're excited about, where they go, how do they spend their free time. So we quickly sold out every weekend at this farmer's market. And what's amazing is that today a lot of the customers we met uh, or the, the retailers we have are those that we met at that market. So it was really just like the, the thing that got us going. So fast forward to 2018, I now have two kids, uh, Aya and Henry. And here I was uh, learning how to run a business, learning how to be a parent, still learning how to be a parent. And I was working still full-time at the University of Saskatchewan um, and having this side hustle. It wasn't until last year that I actually finally uh, made the leap to quit my job at the university. And uh, it was super scary to leave a very secure job with benefits, with a pension, um, you know, to have a steady paycheck. But looking back now, reflecting on it, I'm, I'm so glad that I did leave it. Um, I don't want to say that I should have left sooner because I think, you know, the universe presents itself in a certain way and it was just the right time. So today, I'm able to 
you know, be present for my kids. And, you know, Crystal talking about being a mom and being an entrepreneur. Yeah, I love being present for my kids while running this business at the same time. So the lessons I really learned, you know, in the infancy of starting this business was, you know, test your theory, let it be a side hustle. Don't, don't push yourself too hard. Um, and a side hustle could definitely become your full-time job. It can be your life. You just have to have a plan. And so when you take that leap, that, that uncertainty that you might have is reduced, especially when you have a plan and you've done the math. Okay, so Parkerview Brews Kombucha. Um, I don't have it in my notes, but I, I want to say, you know, Parkerview is actually named after a homestead in Saskatchewan, Parkerview. And uh, we named it after uh, my husband Tyler's uh, Bob and Guido's homestead. So it was, it was something that's really important to us and important to, to um, have sort of a family name. So that's, that's where the name Parkerview comes from. Um, today, we have, we have built a, a wonderful team. We have about seven team members. And we're in 200 stores across Saskatchewan. This includes grocery stores like Sobeys, Safeway, IGA, Freshco, but also your co-ops, your save-ons. And we're also in health and specialty stores, uh, local restaurants, and cafes. Wherever people are thirsty, we're there. <laughs> uh, we have our own manufacturing facility here in Saskatoon. And we also have a small tap room that we operate on the weekends. Um, you've been enjoying the kombucha today in bottles and, you know, secretly I've been watching everybody take a sip and just feeling wonderful. I, you know, I still get excited when I see people picking it up off the shelf. Uh, we also have kombucha on tap, which you can enjoy um, in various restaurants and, you know, if you mix it with beer, it becomes a beer bucha. This is a very versatile drink, you know. Um, but, you know, I encourage you to visit our tap room on, on Saturdays and you can and try different flavors that we haven't yet released. Um, but bottle by bottle, we have, we have sort of made our impact and won the market here in Saskatoon and throughout Saskatchewan. You know, we started out at the farmer's market and now we're in all of these stores and we're still not done. We are currently undergoing uh, an amazing expansion to double our facility uh, for new equipment, which will quadruple our production, which is absolutely amazing. Uh, we consistently run out of inventory, which is a good problem, but uh, as we grow our business, we, we don't want that to be an issue. We want to deliver on the best service to our retailers. So we're really excited about this, this expansion, uh, which will happen, is happening right now and hopefully finish um, in early 2023. Can't wait to share that with you once, once we have more to share. All right, okay, so I gave you a little bit of the history, and I want to give you some, some good information of what I've learned about how we got here, okay? So I, I kind of looked at as, as fine, five main drivers. How did we do it? How did we start at a tent and get into this many stores uh, in Saskatchewan? So the first one is systems and SOP. So when we started out, we were in a commercial kitchen in Sutherland, and this commercial kitchen was attached to a hall, it's called Sutherland Hall, <laughs> and uh, Sutherland Hall was, is a wonderful place. They have Taekwondo there on nights, there, there's weddings, there's poker nights, the kinsmen meet there, it's a lovely place. But we started out there in that commercial kitchen, and 
we were brewing on a stove, we were sanitizing by hand, we were filling, capping, capping labeling, labeling balls by hand. Everything was by hand. This was a handcrafted beverage. Um, but then we started selling out more and more each week. The batches started to get bigger and bigger. And for us, batches meant tanks. So these tanks were getting big. They were getting large. And if you, if you know anything about kombucha, basically what you're doing is you're making vinegar. And there came to a point where the, the building manager politely had to kick us out of this facility because we had these tanks of vinegar in closets all over this facility. And there was a smell when you walked in. It smelled like, it smelled like vinegar. Um, so if you're having a wedding on Saturday and you're walking in, this is, this is, you know, this is not what I paid for. Um, so we quickly had to move out of this space um, just because of the smell and the size of, of the tanks that we were using. Um, one, of the, one of the first memories I had when we started and thinking about a lot of the entrepreneurs here, and you can relate to this, was sitting in our living room late at night, hand labeling these bottles while watching Downton Abbey, like all <laughs> five seasons of Downton Abbey. You know, I knew all about Lady Mary and the Dowager, and it, you know, I, I can still picture it in my mind, all of these labels or piles of labels around me, I would use an empty roll to prop the bottle on and sort of, you know, try to place it, the, the label, and then turn it, another label, in the box. And I just did that continually. And at the time, these were only boxes of six. So you can imagine all these boxes around me. Um, but, you know, we didn't have our own facility. We didn't have a lot of money. And we couldn't afford a labeling machine. So this was all done by hand. But the beauty of this is it helped us develop our systems. We saw the gaps very quickly. We started asking ourselves questions. And I think it's important that you ask yourself these questions, too. How can we do this faster? Um, how can we be more efficient? How many times do I have to touch this? Um, if you think about a fast food chain or if you're waiting in line and you look at McDonald's, you can see how it's all about speed, it's about quality control, it's about efficiency. And that's what's always going through our minds even today. Uh, we started developing our systems and our SOP for everything from brewing to production to sales to marketing to finance. And this not only allowed us to get things done faster, but it also allowed us to track our own activity and make improvements for efficiency. So for yourself, um, maybe you're a checklist person, or maybe you develop step-by-step -step lists, or uh, a process flow chart. I encourage you to choose what works for you and start developing that now, even if you are the only person working on the business. Um, systems and SOP are also really important because, especially for kombucha, it, it ensures ensures that compliance standards are met for, for your product. And this is really important when you're selling wholesale uh, because the retailer is, is trusting that you are compliant and, and you really need to be accountable for every single unit that leaves your loading dock, right? So these systems and these standards are the foundation of how we currently train our team. And it's been key to, to the communication between our team members and also ensures their safety when they're in our facility. There's, there's zero guesswork when you have the proper systems and SOP in place. And I think it's really important that you create these, these systems so that you can bring anyone on board, anyone in the room on board to join your team. Um, I really think when you're hiring and you're building your team, it's really about mindset and not skill set. And if you are building a, your company and you have a mentality that 
only I can do this, I encourage you to, to reset that, that thought um, because you cannot grow your business if you are the one doing the labeling or literally filling each bottle. <clears throat> uh, the second part, the driver, uh, was really educating your consumer. So it doesn't matter what product you have, right? Education is, is key. Uh, for, for my product, kombucha, <laughs> education is everything. And in 2017, and maybe even still today, kombucha is, is still kind of an unknown drink, um, maybe mysterious, weird, strange to some people. Um, and it's my job to, to show people what it is and what problems it solves and why it's amazing. So we took a product that um, is niche. It's, it's less niche than it was in 2017, but it's still niche. And we, we've really made it mainstream, as mainstream as possible. So how do you convince your, your customers to buy something when they don't know what it is or what it will taste like uh, when there's reluctance, right? How do you get your customers to see the value in something that's completely foreign to them? You have to educate them. So for us, it meant explaining, okay, what is kombucha? How is it made? You know, it's made with tea. It's, it's, it's tea. Um, why is it good for you? Why should you drink it? Uh, for us, most importantly, what will it taste like? And for a lot of people we talked to, um, they might have tried kombucha before, other brands, and they didn't like it. So it was our job to really reset their opinions. And something I like to say is, oh, you've tried kombucha, you didn't like it? Well, I want you to try it again. Try it again for the first time, okay? So I, for, for me, it's really about resetting someone's opinion that, of what they have about existing opinion about kombucha, switching their mindset. So education for us comes through in our social media when we're talking to our community of followers. It comes through every demo that you do every person that you talk to at that table. It comes through at events, education. Even the words on your packaging, the words that you carefully put on that bottle or on that box is so important. Um, education also comes through the, your emails that you might be sending to your retailers or to your customers. So I, I, I challenge you, the next time you do a demo, please use that you know, one to two minute opportunity to educate your customer about the product, about the ingredients you're using, and tell them why people love it. Um, sometimes maybe we get tongue-tied and we're standing there and we're looking at them and think, oh gosh, are they gonna like it? Uh, but I think it's really important that you take that, those two minutes to really make a connection with them, tell them what problem it will solve for them, and tell them what's the most popular flavor. Uh, the third driver I wanted to talk about was knowing your category and really becoming an expert in your category. So I do not have a grocery background. I don't have a background in CPG. Uh, my experience before that was purely marketing in post-secondary, primarily management, business development. So I really had to take the time to educate myself um, about this market that I was joining. So one of the first things I did, uh, I took a course from this amazing sales rep out of New York City, and her name is Sandra Velasquez. And she did a course called Distro 101. This is New York City. This is, you know, non-Canada. So she was, she was exactly what a New Yorker was like. It was like, nitty-gritty, this is what you got to do. And I found her on Instagram, of all places. But I took this course from her, and she taught me everything about margins, markup, sales strategies, working with distributors, um, 
what it's like to work with different grocery brands, merchandising, about systems. It was amazing. Um, she doesn't offer this course anymore. <laughs> she's now gone on to start her own brand in beauty. Uh, you can find her online. She's, she's an amazing um, entrepreneur. But there are courses similar like this that you can take online. You can read articles. You can listen to podcasts. Uh, but I encourage you to take time out of your day to learn more about the specific category that you're in. Um, I was also, uh, t I took part in a, a program through Egg West Bio called Building Entrepreneurial Leadership. And it was in uh, that program that I was connected to someone named Peter Chapman, who has a company called Skew Food. And again, he helped me understand my category. He used to work uh, for Loblaws. He gave me so much insight on grocery, how it all works, um, what's, what are the priorities for a retailer, what are some consumer trends, and how to develop a proper retail plan. Um, again, so valuable. Through the uh, Sobeys Local Program, uh, we were connected with Matthew Sobican, who's here today. He's in the blue. Um, he has guided us on everything from A to Z when it comes to the local program at Sobeys uh, in their banner stores. So there are people out there that are, are there to, to guide you and help you along the way, especially if you don't know anything about grocery or retail or wholesale. Uh, you, you, you must educate yourself about your retailer, especially grocery, um, because that allows you to build a better relationship with your buyer and, it, and in turn help you better serve your customers. So I even encourage you this weekend, go into a store, walk around, put yourself into the shoes of, of a buyer, of your buyer. Where would they find you? What, what path would they take in that grocery store? Um, something I think that's important uh, in knowing your category is also understanding the landscape, right? So who are your direct competitors? Who are your alternates? Um, what are they priced at? And where are you on that scale? Are you at the middle, the top, the bottom? What's making your product stand out from your competitors? Where is your product physically located in a store? Who's beside you on the store? Can your customers find you? Um, an example I'll have when we first started, uh, we were one of the Safeways we got into in Regina. Um, they had us sort of on an end cap in a store, in their store. And our customers were having a really hard time finding us. Um, and we were just, when we looking at the sales data, this store, uh, where it's located in Regina, we thought, oh, this is going to be the, like the number one store. There's going to be volumes. There's going to be velocity in the store. But there wasn't. So we started you know, figuring out, okay, why, why aren't people going to this store? Well, they couldn't find us in the store. So I, I did a little video on Instagram, added some funny music, and shared it. And then people knew where we were, and we're still in that end cap today, and that's one of our best performing stores. But we really had to tell our customer where we were, and if you think about when you're grocery shopping, you sort of go in and you have a route that you follow, right? And if it's not convenient for you, you probably won't go down another aisle. So when I think when you're in a store, um, you really want to make it easy for customers to find you um, because they won't necessarily find you on their own when they're grocery shopping. Uh, the fourth driver I wanted to share was really focused on branding and marketing. And I really can't stress this enough I do believe that our brand um, has been a large part of our success here in Saskatchewan, and our branding, especially when it comes to kombucha. Um, 
And when I say branding, our branding identity, I'm not just talking about our logo, but it's our name, our fonts, the colors that we chose, down to the cap, the bottle, the shape of the bottle, the overall packaging. And not as obvious as those things, but still as important. Um, our voice, our company culture, our mission, our message, just our whole entire vibe, right? I was looking at it really holistically. Um, so I think it's really important that you flesh this out so that what you do moving forward becomes more impactful, it becomes more memorable, memorable because now you're actually delivering an intentional message and experience to your customer. You're now attracting and connecting with your actual target audience. And something um, that someone had said before, I think it was Sandra, she said, build a brand around your customer, not around you. And that makes total sense. Um, you want you want to make a memorable, memorable impression. That's, that's something that's super important to us. Uh, we want our customers to know what to expect from our company every time. And first impressions are everything, especially with kombucha. Um, we really have to distinguish ourselves from our competitors and clarify to our customer very quickly what makes us the better choice when they're seeing us on the shelf as they're passing by with their cart. So for our kombucha, I made sure that it looked approachable, modern, playful. Uh, you don't have to prescribe to any certain lifestyle to drink this or to feel comfortable drinking it. And so I, I want you to remember that your branding is the, it's the first thing that your customers will experience and it helps them to form an opinion about what you're all about. Um, when your branding is powerful and when it's intentional, it establishes uh, four main things. So the first thing is customer recognition. So I love it when people say, I see you guys everywhere. I was at this store and I saw you guys. I was at this restaurant and I saw you guys. Um, second, customer loyalty. So when people say, you know, this is my kombucha. They're, you know, it's, it belongs to them. This is the only brand they drink. Um, it establishes your credibility. You know, people will say, this company's legit. It's high quality, it's reliable. And finally, when you have wonderful branding, it attracts talent. And especially when you're in a growth phase and you're looking to build a team, you can attract the people that you want. Oh, I love your stuff. Your branding is great. I would love to be part of your team. I know I can add value to your company. The last driver is sales. Sales is everything. Sales solves all problems. Uh, the majority of our business is wholesale. We sell directly to our customers through our storefront. Um, and through delivery, and this was born out of the pandemic in 2020, um, but that's not a big part of our business. The, the biggest part is definitely selling to retailers wholesale. So I'm just gonna focus a bit on that today. Um, I think it's so important that you look at your sales data every day, every single day, and set goals. Are you reaching the goals that you set for yourself this month? How did you do this quarter? Um, some important questions I think that you should be asking yourself First off, what systems do you use to track your sales? We use QuickBooks. Very easy to use. I can see what I'm selling, what flavor selling, what's moving the slowest, which retailers are the best. So again, which accounts are your best accounts? Which are your worst accounts? Which flavor is the fastest mover? Which quarter was your best or your worst? How many new customers are you seeing? How many returning customers are you seeing? 
So I think by looking at this data and analyzing it, you, it really helps to form your decisions on how to actually increase your sales versus just you know, posting something on social and, and crossing your fingers and hoping for the best. So for your best accounts, if you can think of your top three, why are they your best accounts? How can you replicate that in your other accounts? And for your second best accounts, your B accounts, um, how do you turn those into A accounts? Which of your stores are ordering regularly? How can you better support them? Uh, which ones haven't ordered in a while that you think should be doing a lot better? And how can you support them? And if you're not sure how you can, you have to ask. Um, you've probably heard this before, like, you know, the product doesn't sell itself, the product won't sell itself, and that's true. You need to always support the retailer um, that's carrying your product. You don't want what you're selling to sit there and, and collect dust. It needs to move, it needs to move fast. So how, how are you gonna do that? Especially in grocery, right? If you lose that shelf space, there's another brand that is gonna just take up that spot real fast, right? So it's very important that you talk to your buyer, you email your buyers regularly, and you know, remember that they're busy people. They don't owe you anything. You have to make it easy for them to do business with you. They have thousands of other brands that they're looking after. Especially for a large grocery store, they have staff, there's, there's food that's spoiling in the back. Everything's moving very, very quickly, right? So it's all about relationships. And from my experience, you might not always get the placement that you want in a grocery store. Um, for us, you know, we're not always beside those national brands. But that's not permanent, it can change, and it has. When we've shown that our product sells, our product now gets put beside national brands, or we might get more facings, or we might get an extra shelf, or even better, you might get two locations in the store, right? But that all comes down to the work that you put in and building that relationship with your buyer. Um, I can't stress enough to tell your customers where to find you. you, you know, Tag your retailers on social, take part in those sales and promotions, do the demos. Uh, for something like kombucha, the best way to increase our sales was to get people to actually try the, try the product. So I'm going to talk a little bit more about growing with retail partners. Um, we have been very, very fortunate to be able to grow with so many retail partners in this province. Um, this province is not that big of a province, so very, very thankful um, for those buyers to see the value in our product and to provide something different to their customers and something local. Uh, in 2020, we received uh, an award from Sobeys, and we were the recipients of the overall Best Local Supplier Award, as voted by the staff. And we were ecstatic when we got the call from Matthew, uh, because we had just got into grocery, and we weren't sure if we were quite doing it right. So receiving this was a big win for us, because it told us, okay, you're doing it right. Keep doing what you're doing. They like you. <laughs> um, so I think the best advice I can give to when you're first getting into grocery is, is don't wait for the sales. Uh, when I first started, I was really, really worried about contacting the buyer. I was worried about annoying them or bothering them. Um, and, and now that I look back on that, that's, that's a major no-no. Um, don't be reluctant to contact your buyer and to form that relationship. And I think that's why I was scared, because I didn't, I didn't have a relationship with them. Um, but once you put effort into forming that relationship, it doesn't feel salesy, it doesn't feel slimy, it becomes a conversation between two people, really. Um, I'll give you a bit of example. So when we first started to getting into grocery, it was me and Tyler, and we would have to go in and take turns doing a pitch. So it would kind of be like, you know, rock, paper, scissors, who's gonna go in? We're sitting in the car, sweating. Okay, your turn. 
right? And we were so nervous. Um, that fear of rejection, especially when it's your own product, you take it so personally, like, ah, oh, he didn't like me. Or when a buyer would say, oh, you know, I'm a Pepsi guy myself. It's like, okay, what can I say here? Um, but as you keep going and as you, as you improve your pitch and you get a sense of um, the right things to say in that maybe two minutes that you get, it becomes much, much easier. And you can always use your existing sales to leverage more sales, which is what we did. We always used those sales and said, hey, this is selling at this so-and-so store, and we're doing this much volume, and I know it's going to sell in your store, and we have a budget you know, to push it. So that gives the buyer more incentive to say, hey, yeah, this, this is going to move. It's not just going to collect on our shelf. So I want to share some specific ways that worked for us when we were uh, growing and, and building up our retailer partnerships. Uh, these things definitely contributed to our growth and the strength in our relationships with our stores and our buyers. Uh, the first thing is that sell sheet, right? That's like, that's the gateway right there. And so to have a solid sell sheet is so important. And that sell sheet should be one page, single-sided, wonderful professional pictures, large font, maybe a couple bullets of sales data, your contact info, your SKUs, your price, wholesale, and M MRSP. That's it. Don't put your story on there. Just make it easy, a reference sheet. Um, and have your elevator pitch ready. Uh, like I said earlier, for grocery, use sales to leverage more accounts and to get more sales. Use strong data. You know, we are selling this much volume at this store. We know it'll sell at your store. Uh, for local business outside of these large grocery stores, we were so lucky that many of these businesses reached out to us to say, hey, you know, we saw this online or we tried this. Do you also sell to smaller accounts like us? And that was really big for us, right? Um, the local movement is very real. So if in the back of your mind you're thinking that local won't sell or that people won't support local, that's completely wrong. It is definitely a selling feature. Um, I think it's important that you... Sorry about that. I think it's important that... Um, you identify to the buyer who's going to buy your product. And if your product is new or foreign to the buyer, um, they won't know who's going to buy it. They might not even know where it should go in the store. So you have to make a solid, convincing pitch to your non-believers. Um, make it really easy and foolproof for your retailers to do business with you. So they should know how to reorder. Um, what are your delivery timelines? Who's delivering? Is it you? Is it a distributor? What are your payment terms? How do I pay you? I can't stress enough how important it is to make it so, so easy for the person to do business with you that it's just they can do it with their eyes closed. Um, kindness and courtesy, I have to include this because I think it's very, very powerful when you ask someone how their day is. It's very simple, especially for those people who work in service day in and day out and you know during the pandemic. Um, so when you are making a call or you're meeting with someone, all you have to say is, hello, how are you today? And that makes a huge difference in, in the way the conversation goes and the relationship that you're building um, with your buyer. And I'll, I'll talk a bit about the importance of service as well. So I, I see myself selling a product, but I'm also selling a service. And so I, I'm always thinking, how can I provide uh, the best service, right? 
Um, is it the speed that I'm getting the product out after the person has placed the order? Um, through the, my communications by email, email etiquette, um, interaction with the receiver. So, <laughs> you know, so many times when we, when we first started doing the deliveries ourselves to a grocery store or to a store, um, you're seeing the receiver. You're not seeing the buyer. You're seeing the receiver. And you're seeing this receiver often enough that you can form a relationship with your receivers. And the importance of, of kindness and courtesy to the receiver have clear packaging on your box so that they know what they're receiving. You know, does the box tell the receiver what's inside, how many units there are, what company it's from, are there storage instructions? Always thinking about being user-friendly. Also being, being courteous. So can, can I take this and put in the cooler for you? Can I restock this for you? Go, um, you know, merchandise, go in, reface all of your bottles, clean the shelf, um, Fulfill the order and fulfill it as fast as possible. Don't make, it, don't make your buyers wait. Um, an empty shelf is lost sales. And I think something that's really important is to really keep in regular and consistent communication with your buyers. Um, once you have that strong relationship with your buyers, you can ask questions and they'll tell you. So you can ask how things are going, what can I do better, What's not moving? You know, what are people saying? How do I compare to these other brands? It's also important to think about how your buyer likes to interact with you. Some buyers like a phone call. Um, there's one buyer, Marvin, he's all old school. He wants a phone call every week. Call him every week. Don't email him, you gotta call. Some people like an in-person visit. Some people prefer the email, they're very busy. This is how, they, this is how they're gonna place their order. Um, but you have to keep track of that because every buyer is unique and every, every store runs differently. So if you have their email, send out your email regularly with info, with updates about your product, some new announcements, a sneak peek, but always with a call to action in your email. Another way that we were able to, be able to grow with our retailers is by giving away product. We've given a lot of free product away to receivers, to stock people, to cashiers, to managers, people that are on the floor, people that talk to customers. These are your champions. These are your brand ambassadors. These are your brand builders. And they love getting free things. Um, I encourage you to participate in sales and promotions. Um, it shows your commitment to the store. It helps you get your foot in the door. It attracts new customers to trying out your product when they see it's on sale. But I, you have to make sure that you do a, sort of a thorough analysis on the cost to provide something at a discount. And the key is really just to start slow and monitor your results and just keep going from there. And then if you are participating in a sales or a promotion um, that you put a lot of marketing or ad spend during that time to push more sales, right? Because you're selling for less, but hypothetically in that time you should be having really high velocity and high volume because of your marketing and your ad spend. So today, we're a certain size that we can't, myself and Tyler, we can't really keep up with managing all of our accounts um, on our own. So we, we do have a sales group that we work with that does a lot of this for us now. Um, but it's important, you know, when you're building your sales team that they have the same values as you do because then they, be, they truly become your face, your voice, sort of the feet on the ground for you. And this is 
for CPG, in my opinion, it's all about feet on the ground. It's all about relationship building. Outside of retailers, um, I think it's really important to deliver on your promise to your customer. And so what this means to me is it, this is our commitment to our customers. And when you deliver on what you say you are and what you say you'll do, this, again, solidifies a relationship, but this time a relationship between you and your customer. They become your champions. They become your brand ambassadors. So ask yourself, you know, what is your promise? For us, it's, it's three main things. So it's product. So high-quality product, consistency. It's, it's taste. For us, it's all about taste. And maybe you've tried other kombuchas and you didn't like it. So for us, it's down to taste. It's down to two things, acid and sugar ratio. But we always have to keep that ratio the same, consistent throughout all the flavors so that the customer knows what to expect. Um, our second promise is experience. And I heard a lot of people talking today about experience. And yeah, it's super important. So for us, experience means kindness, courtesy through our storefront, asking someone how their day is, greeting them when they walk in. Um, we have two staff members that work our storefront on Saturdays, and we have regular customers, and, and you know, they know each other. They know their kids' names. I was in there a couple Saturdays ago, and, and a gentleman came in, and he goes to me, oh, you must be new here. I don't know you. Yeah, I, I, yeah. who are you? Tell, me, you know, tell me about yourself. So we really deliver a certain experience when you come to our storefront. Uh, we know that our customers love innovation, they love a sneak peek. They get excited over new things. Um, speed and care of our delivery. So, you know, we started doing delivery during the pandemic, and we still continue to do it. And we have a um, SOP for delivery. So you place the box on the step. You have to place it far enough from the door so the door's not going to hit the box. The logo has to face the door. You have to ring the doorbell, step away, and you always have to wave. Okay, so this is something you always have to do, and our, our customers appreciate that, and they love that. That's very good service. Um, we used to have a note in the box, but that was very, very time-consuming. We, we just couldn't keep up with that. But ultimately, for experience, you really need to listen to your customers. Um, through, look at your Google reviews. Listen carefully to what they like, what they don't like, and if there is any dissatisfaction, you have to make it right, and you have to make it right quickly. So you always have to be accountable to your customer. The last um, promise that we deliver is through community. So when I first started Parkerview, I wasn't really thinking about community, but now we've, we really have this lovely community and it's something that I wanna build and continue to nurture. And that community might be virtual through our social, it might be through our storefront. Um, we love it when followers tag us uh, when they're enjoying kombucha throughout the day. It shows us, you know, they're, they're they're, you know, enjoying a show on Netflix, or they just finished at the gym, or they just finished a long shift at the hospital. It's, we're really part of their life. Um, through our community, we do a lot of giveaways. So if you're doing giveaways on your social, which are a great way to engage with your followers, um, giveaways are awesome, but we always award the non-winners in a giveaway, whether it's with a discount or something. And that's something that's really uh, been helpful in our social, is award the non-winners. Um, Outside of selling kombucha on our social, the community that we built is really also about spreading joy, about having a good laugh. And if you look at some of our posts, 
some of them have nothing to do with kombucha. It might be like a cute animal or something. Our followers love animals. They love nature. Um, anything that puts a smile on someone's face. We love to share things that are valuable and shareable with our community. Uh, we love to engage in person and online, especially answering all the DMs, um, but talking to people through social. We like to give back, give to specific causes, donate to specific events. Um, so I really want you to think about, you know, what is your promise? Do you have a promise? What is the building, uh, the community that you're trying to build? And how are you truly engaging and connecting with them? So I want you to find your champions. And I use this word champion a lot because I think um, along this business journey that I've had, I've been very fortunate to meet um, so many people that have, have cheered me on or have lifted my spirits, um, encouraged us to keep pushing. And outside of your friends and family who are your support system, we have met people who saw our vision, who believed in our, our capabilities, who were you know, advocates for us. These are people that really want us to succeed, right? And you have these people in your court too. And you can find so many of them in this room today, right? So who are your champions? I could name, a, uh, I could name some for you right now. So um, when I first started, someone said earlier today, you know, it's all about funds. And it's true. I didn't, I had, didn't have a lot of money set aside to, to start a business. Um, and so if it, if it wasn't for WESC, the Women Entrepreneurs of Saskatchewan, I wouldn't have got that seed money to get this business off the ground. So thank you to WESC, um, you know, for really getting the ball rolling for us. Um, through the awesome program and my experience there is in the Accelerator, uh, meeting wonderful um, friends in the Accelerator, connecting with different business people, with funding agencies, through Egg West Bio, um, through BDC. You have a lot of champions, you just have to connect with them. Your retailers, your buyers, your colleagues, collaborate when you can, connect when you can. I think it's really important to ask for help, but ask for help um, from the right people. Go to the right people for help. Um, when you get the support and you're properly set up with like the creative, so for us it was designers to tell our story, the proper photography, um, the money experts, so the accountants, the bookkeepers. I mean, my bookkeeper completely changed my life, right? They, they are the experts, they know what to do, they know how taxes work, all of it, even your lawyer. So you need to really find your champions, connect with them, and, and collaborate them with Ask them, ask them questions. Ask them all the questions that you have. They're there for you. So I, I talked a little bit about myself, about the business, some things that I learned along the way. And this area I really wanted to share with you today, um, it really, outside of all of this business stuff, it's really about mindset. And I think as, as a mom, as a wife, as a woman, you know, we, we have a lot of things that we carry and we're kind of all over the place sometimes, right? So it's about, about your mindset. And I think anyone in this room, if you really focus on, on this and, and pay more attention to your mindset, there's, you, you become unstoppable. So this is an area that I, I've started to focus on and kind of have been interested in more than ever. And it's really working for me. Um, it's helped me to sort of realign, to refocus my energy, um, and ultimate, ultimately to become a, a higher performing person. And I think that's what we all want to be, right? So the first thing I'll, I'll say is 
to organize your mind and your thoughts. So if you have a to-do list, that's wonderful. I used to have a to-do list, and every day I would rewrite that to-do list um, because I, I wouldn't get everything done. So if you have a to-do list, I encourage you to map out your week on a Sunday, schedule out your tasks. Not every task on that to-do list is gonna take the same amount of time, right? Some things take two hours, some, take, some make 15 minutes. So map out that to-do list, and you'll find that you'll get things done um, so much faster, and you'll get the, the more important things done first versus the easier things done first. You know, what needs to be done right now? What needed to be done yesterday? I always found that I was doing, like, the easiest things first because I like doing those things, but really they weren't the most important things, right? Um, perseverance and a growth mindset. So maybe you've heard this quote lately. I've, I keep seeing it everywhere I go, and maybe it's synchronicity. Maybe it's the Instagram algorithm. I don't know. But the quote is, the top of one mountain is always the bottom of another, right? And yeah, that's so true. So, you know, you achieve something and you thought you've hit that goal, but here you are, new goal. So I want to talk about perseverance. So perseverance, if we think about the definition, it's your continued effort despite the difficulties that you encounter. And this continued effort requires three things, commitment, discipline, and a growth mindset. So when you leave today and you adopt a growth mindset, because that's what you're going to do, you're going to adopt a growth mindset, you're going to start to view challenges and setbacks um, in your business differently. So maybe you're having trouble increasing your sales. Maybe you can't find the right suppliers. You're not attracting retailers. The financials are too complicated. Or maybe you're just bad at time management. Um, when you adopt a growth mindset, you're now thinking, OK, we believe that if we are struggling with certain skills, that's fine. But those skills are not set in stone, right? So now you're thinking to yourself, with work, my skills will improve, and over time, I'll grow. So oftentimes, we hit, we, you know, it's in our head. We have this barrier, and then we stop. We stop whatever we're doing, and maybe we give up. So please stop doing that. Um, so your achievement really comes through your efforts, and it's, it has nothing to do with talent. This is my opinion. You have to have a willingness to learn from the mistakes that you've made and also value the criticism that you receive. And this takes maturity, a lot of maturity. And you have to be willing to ask questions, right? Admit when you don't know something. And along this journey that I've had, there are a lot of things that I don't know or I'm still learning. And it's just simply about asking the questions. Something else that you can do is to create small habits. And I challenge you today to go home and write down three habits that you want to improve on and, and track them for the next three months. So small habits create sizable shifts. And this is a line from a book that I really love by James Clear called Atomic Habits. So if you haven't read this, I encourage you to read it. But what he says is by making small improvements in our life, these small improvements are usually unnoticeable day to day, right? But they become far more meaningful in the long run. So for me, it's been setting a morning routine, exercising every day, and reading even if for five minutes, okay? So create those small habits, and these little decisions that you make over time will really start to add up and then create significant results for you. Uh, one thing I do, you know, have to share, like, this was a really bad habit for me, especially during the pandemic. I would have my phone in the bedroom and lie in my bed at night on this phone. This phone helped put me to sleep somehow. Um, and I don't do that anymore. I leave my phone out of the bedroom. I leave it in another room. Leave it downstairs if you can. Do not bring that phone to the bedroom. When you wake up, do not grab your phone. Your phone should be 
should not be the first thing that you look at. And I, I feel like a lot of people do that, right? Oh, I got to pick up my phone. I got to see what's, on, what's happening in the world. Um, stay off your phone before bed. Stay off your phone when you wake up. Don't let someone else's urgency become your urgency. Emails are so bad for this. Um, this has worked so well for me. It helped me sleep better. I have boundaries now. And so I encourage you to try that, th that tonight. Um, the last thing I want to talk about mindset is something called self-efficacy. And I'm, I'm taking it back to like psychology 101 here. Um, but this is something that's so important. I don't think that people think about this enough. So if you think about self-efficacy in psychology, this means this is your belief in your capacity to act in the ways needed to reach your specific goals. So this is your belief in your own capacity. Um, and really, self-efficacy applies to every part of your life. It doesn't really apply just to your business. It applies to every human endeavor that you can think of. Um, so if you want to think of self-esteem focusing on, on being or feeling, self-efficacy is really focusing on doing, doing, doing. So how, do we, how can we improve our, improve our self-efficacy or our belief in our own skills and abilities? So there's four ways, and I'm going to walk you through these four ways. And the first one is mastery experiences. So when you take on a new challenge and you succeed, your self-efficacy improves, right? So today we had entrepreneurs take on a new challenge and pitch in front of a group of people, and they were successful. So... The more we succeed in these new challenges, the greater the belief system we have in our, in our capacity, right? So I really think it's important that you take the time to think about challenges that you took on, challenges that you succeeded in, reflect on it, and celebrate it, right? We have a bad habit of entrepreneurs of not celebrating our wins enough. So I think it's important that you celebrate your success. Remember, hey, I did that, right? You see it, you have to honor it before you move on to the next challenge. There's also your vicarious experiences. So having a role model or a mentor that you can watch and that you can emulate is so important in improving your own belief in your capacity. So we might have mentors here, right? Um, not only are they a source of knowledge to us, but they also make us feel more comfortable in our skin and more comfortable in our roles. Because we look at them and we say, if they can do it, I can do it, right? So find your role model. Find that mentor for you. It will increase your confidence. It will improve your clarity. Um, and it can be someone that you meet with regularly, or it can be someone that you follow, even on social media, right? Someone that you look up to and you strive um, for the same success that they have. The third uh, way to improve your self-efficacy is through verbal persuasion. Persuasion, I don't really like that word, but verbal persuasion. These are positive words of encouragement from other people. So most, most often this is our family and our friends, but it's also our colleagues and our customers, right? When we hear these words, this helps us shift our mind and improve our own belief systems um, about our capabilities. So these words give us power, and you shouldn't underestimate that power. And the last way that we can Im improve our, our self-efficacy is through um, emotional and physiological states. So um, it's much, this is so simple, but it's, it's hard to follow. Um, it's easier to develop your self-efficacy when you're well and you're healthy, right? So are you getting enough sleep? What are you putting in your body every day? Are you eating whole foods? Are you eating processed foods? 
what's your stress level like? What, what are you doing to reduce your stress level? Um, you really have to look after yourself, right? It's a no-brainer, definitely no-brainer, but we let this slip very, very often. And as a mom or a caregiver, you know, we're busy looking after everyone else in our household. We, more often than not, we forget about ourselves. So if we take care of ourselves, then we have the energy to achieve our goals. The concept is so simple, but you really have to make an effort to apply it. Um, so, you know, in closing, today we spent, you spent a lot of time learning from others in industry. You connected with other women entrepreneurs and hopefully with the community of people here that want us to succeed. Um, you took this day to invest in yourself. And I think that's very, very important. We don't do it enough. We should do it more often. Um, I would love to stay connected um, with the people in this room. I would like to learn more about what you're doing, about your business, about your dreams, your passions. I think that we actually can be a great source of knowledge to each other and to support each other. So my wish for you today is to leave with more confidence in your abilities and be excited about the future that you're working so hard to build. I encourage you to stay motivated as you wake up each day and even when you see those roadblocks, even if they are self-imposed, you really need to ask yourself who's, who's waiting for you or who's looking for you to show up today and recognize your importance and impact on other people. Um, finally, I talked about a growth mindset and I do want to take it one step further as your psychology professor this afternoon. And um, I want you to think about an abundance mindset and we don't hear this enough. I hear about growth mindset, but I don't hear about abundance mindset enough. So an ab abundance mindset is the belief that there are enough resources in this world for everybody, right? There's enough customers for everybody, there's enough retailers, there's enough money for everybody, and that we should be grateful for what the universe is providing us. So when you adopt an abundance mindset, not only are you making better decisions um, for yourself and for your business and for your families, but you also start to collaborate more with other people. You become more generous, right? You start to share more with others and you're striving more to grow because you truly believe with an abundance mindset that the best is yet to come, right? Okay, so my last piece of advice is simply this. It's to slow down. It's to take time for yourself. Take time to celebrate your wins and be present in the moment. Thank you very much. The Awesome Program is an initiative of the Saskatchewan Food Centre and is funded by Prairie's Economic Development Canada through the Women Entrepreneurship Strategy Ecosystem Fund. We are here to support women-owned food businesses through education, advising, and industry connections. Although we are based in Saskatoon, we serve members in Manitoba, Saskatchewan, and Alberta. For more information, visit the show notes or head to our website at beawesome.ca.